The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbreak Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. On Saturday, the Arsenal face Wolverhampton Wanderers started like a fast-moving train and then nearer the end were a little bit more replacement bus service, but we picked up the three points to stay top of the table. And with the result of the Etihad, we're currently two points clear. Yes, this terrible start to the season just goes from bad to worse, doesn't it, really? Uh, to talk about the game and look ahead to Luton on Tuesday, I'm joined by Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark. Good morning. Hello. 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 Before we talk about the Arsenal, I'm sure quite a few of you listening watched Manchester City play Spurs yesterday. And we'll talk about whether we should celebrate their goal, their equaliser in a bit. But we were talking about their away kit. It's their third kit. And we were wondering about what words you would best be used to describe Tottenham's abomination, I'm saying, of an away kit. The official description of the colour, by the way, was taupe haze complemented by black trim, although nobody <laughs> I've heard was paying it any compliments at all. Adrian, I mean, have you ever, have you ever worn a kit even close to that <laughs> with taupe haze with black trim? Taupe haze, no. I hadn't heard of taupe haze until a couple of minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, look, it's Nike. They've got Air Jordans in that colour. This is why they're doing it. But, I mean, the, the, the two words that sort of come to my mind are, are crappy clay or sort of shitty mud, that kind of colour. I mean, that, that, that's my, that's how I'm feeling about it. Disgusting, <laughs> wasn't it? Quite disgusting. Uh, Amy, you weren't impressed, were you, really? No, I mean, it's a similar thing to Adrian's, really. I thought it was pale poo. <laughs> yeah, pale poo would do it as well, really. Although I don't think it would be a big seller, I'll be honest. Do you know, the third kit is in pale poo with black trim. <laughs> <laughs> which actually sounds worse, to be honest with you. Uh, and, um, well, I just said vomit-inducing, to be honest with you. I mean, I feel sick enough watching Tottenham play anyway, but that just sort of tips me over the edge. You also, by the way, uh, before we talk about the Arsenal, uh, Amy, mentioned Erling Haaland's face uh, as we were uh, uh, just getting going this morning. Uh, he wasn't happy with that decision. Uh, by the way, terrible, terrible decision... I mean, I'm glad they made it, but but Erling Haaland, well, he looked a little bit petulant there. I, it's sort of nice to see Man City cracking up a little bit, isn't it? Well, that and Pep's sort of, I don't know, was it an attempted backwards roll or something? He kind of went upside down and on, on the pitch when that third goal went in for Tottenham. So He went all Louis van Gaal, didn't he? Yeah, some of the, some of the body language is, um, betrays a little bit of extra tension you might say good good we're getting to them aren't we well and Liverpool you know it's there's, there's three teams knocking around looking interesting at the, towards the top of the table you might say but um, no I think Harlan's face was you know something to behold really it's uh, 
myself sort of almost staring at it in wonder. You know, he's got particularly, um, to put this, he's got quite fascinating features, but they were all contorted and quite terrifying. And uh, that rage reminded me, I hate to say it, I saw similar expressions. It, it was a classic Sunday night where you do your homework look. <laughs> This is on your face or on your parents' face? No, this is, well, I don't know whether I look like that probably, but I'd say my children do quite good impressions of that when uh, when informed that they must get off the PlayStation and do some Sunday night homework. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. That's a really fun part of the weekend, I have to tell you. I I can well imagine. I have to say, by the way, uh, as someone who is uh, in possession of at least one fascinating feature, I do have some uh, sympathy (laughs) with uh, Erling Haaland. Uh, Adrian, have you ever seen a face like that? I mean, that was quite something, wasn't it? I mean, he he did look... Isn't there meant to be some sort of thing about not screaming at the referees? Well, yeah. I mean... Well, you'd be sin-binned in kids' football. Yeah. I I saw it last week. Did you? Okay. Yeah. Saw a 12-year-old getting sin-binned. Did you? Yeah. I'm not not, not in favour of these sin-bins, by the way. But yeah, no. I mean, that is... Yeah, that that was a strong face. Anyone that came to the live show might remember my story. About the Welling United player that that um, wanted to see me in the car park. Um, he was yeah. a bit calm. <laughs> he was a little bit calmer, I've got to say, a bit more, which was which was scarier um, on the day. I'm assuming than, he wasn't the size of Erling Haaland as well. He was really? the size. Of, he was probably bigger oh. than Haaland. He was massive. <laughs> oh, my um, oh my god! But, but the um, yeah, Haaland. What do we think of, the, of 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 that long the long locks as well? I mean. It's not, I don't know. I'm not sure about it. I'm not. Have you ever had long? I've had long hair. I've had long hair in the past. And, How uh, long? Uh, oh, Erling Haaland length. Have I you? mean, really? Yeah, middle of my back. Yeah, I had I had a hippie face. Was it sort of wavy or, you know, <laughs> imagine he has sort of fairly wavy hair. Well, I, uh, um, I, it was in a ponytail for, for quite a long time. It <laughs> yeah, was. Yeah, and, it's uh, Love it. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> well, I. Uh, it's your David Seaman face. Yeah, yeah. You got to, you got to do something with it. No, I did for a while. And uh, what do I think of that hair? I think it's, um, it's a strong look. What, I but, think. But what is it? Were you, was there a point where you got too scared to cut it? I'm just trying to think. Like Harland, everything's gone so brilliantly for Harland in his career. He scored so many goals. I just wonder whether he feels it's like a superpower that he can't cut it. A little bit yeah. Samson-esque, do you know what I mean? I, I, no, I, I was scoring a lot of goals in Jewish Sunday League football <laughs> and I thought, I can't possibly cut my hair here. That would just ruin the uh, the vibe. Um, anyway, Arsenal 2, Wolverhampton Wanderers 1. Uh, we asked for a fast start. We got a fast start, 2-0 up inside 13 minutes. Last season, we scored 19 goals in the first 20 minutes of games. Before Saturday, we'd only scored once. Amy... It's what we wanted and they came out of the blocks, didn't they? Well, it's the perfect antidote to the low press, isn't it? Because it's a lot more difficult for uh, an opponent to just sit tight if they're losing. So, yeah, that, that the more that Arsenal can start quickly, I think the, the benefits will be abundantly clear. So to have done it sort of two uh, match days in a row, uh, albeit slightly different circumstances in... Um, the Champions League and uh, uh, and and against Wolves, it probably provides a bit more of a feeling of a habit, which is extremely handy. 
And what were we doing differently, Adrian? I mean, we were were we moving the ball quicker? Is that what was going on? I mean, I mean, you'd expect teams to come out of the traps quickly. I mean, this is not just us. You'd want your teams to be ready when they get, you know, they they get in the huddle and then the whistle goes and they go. Because that's how we feel as well. So but what were we doing differently? Yeah, I think it was uh, assertiveness, really, in everything that we did. It starts from the back, really, in terms of as soon as Wolves had the ball, bang, we were on to them. We won it back quickly. We didn't really let them into our half and we just pinned them in sustained pressure uh obviously they've got they, they played with that uh, a back three which ends up turning into a back five but Wolves are more ambitious than a lot of teams but I think because I, we got our wingers into the game so early we got them running at them it it just it just meant that they they couldn't get out of their own half we, we swarmed all over them I think that we we, we sort of pushed um, Tommy and Zinchenko both sort of not not inverted inverted not into the centre but they sort of were the uh, they were sort of 10 or 15 yards in from the touchline but high up and, and Wolves just couldn't couldn't get out I think that was the key I've got some stats for you actually from the first half an hour of the game we had six shots they had none three shots on target they had none we had 15 touches in their box they had none and we had 38 final third entries. That's where you take the ball into the final third. Wolves had two. So they did get on the scoreboard. Um, but this, this is in the opening half an hour of the game. And that's that's pure domination. And and that is a great habit. The Invincibles did it, didn't they? They did it over and over and over again. Um, and I've got another stat for you. Since the start of last season, when we've gone 1-0 up in the Premier League, we have recorded 30 wins... Five draws and no defeats. It matters. It's really, really important to start fast. I think this may be a little point uh, for our producer, Jay, but I'm wondering if we might have a jingle for Clarkie's stats. (laughs) (laughs) I think that would be a nice little extra. Clarkie's stats. (laughs) I was thinking, stat man. Anyway. uh, (laughs) That that would work. (laughs) I want a bit too jazz. I'll go with yours for once, Tony. Um, Up for once. Thank you, Amy. That is so, you're you're a giver. I mean, that's lovely of you. It is the season. It is the season. (laughs) Martin Erdegaard talked about being clinical. And if we were more clinical, instead of winning 2-1, we'd have won by four or five. I like the way he said that, by the way. Amy, was that the issue after the first half an hour, really? I mean, we missed some chances in the first half an hour as well. Jesus at the far post, I think, amongst others. But is that what's going on? And we can't be expected to take all our chances, can we? No, and I think um, overall, I, I, I feel quite a lot happier with the amount of good chances that we've been creating in the last handful of games because... It, it did feel like there was a drier period where Arsenal were underperforming in terms of just making chances that you have a, a, a reasonable expectation that could be scored. So um, there was nothing to complain about the quality of the game. And it was one of those going in at 2-0 that you thought such was the um, the performance. It, it wouldn't have been unjust to have been uh, a more emphatic scoreline. And, that uh, you know, second halves are quite hard when you've been very on top in the first half, I think. And I always tend to have lowish expectations. Um, Arsenal, you know, even at their greatest, have tended not to kind of come out and blow teams away in the second half when they'd done that in the first. But yeah, there there were still, you know, a couple of really, really 
presentable opportunities, particularly Eddie and Trossard, who I, I kind of, as they were, you know, about to shoot, you, you back both of them. And I think on another day, either or both go in. It was just one of those. They weren't, they didn't quite work out, but I back those players to take those kind of chances more often than not. And yeah, it made for a nervy finish, but it sort of woke everyone up a bit. <laughs> it made things interesting, didn't it? Because it, 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 had, it, had, it had begun to sort of drag a little bit, obviously. Yeah, those two big chances from the through balls from Erdegaard came in the last 10 minutes, didn't they? Martinelli hit the post as well, didn't he, in the first half? We, yeah, we could easily have won this four or five and I don't think Wolves could have had too many complaints. And and this isn't a team that get blown away by many by many opponents, by the way. No, they, no. They've been really competitive in... In every match they've played this season, so should have beaten Liverpool, beat Spurs. I mean, they can play, can't they? they can Wolves. Yeah. Martin Odegaard, the captain. I mean, we had a chat. We chat on this podcast about how he hadn't had quite the effect on the games that uh, um, he had last season. But in the last couple of games, he looked. He sort of looked back to his best, hasn't he? I mean, is it just he's got his confidence after he got the injury? Um, I was looking at some of the stats: thirteen progressive passes, six key passes, three big chances created. I mean, when he clicks, that bit of skill to put Eddie through. I mean, uh, was it Eddie? No, the Trossard. one for Trossard. One for Trossard. He's an insanely good footballer, and if we can get him on the ball in space, he'll make things happen. Yeah, he, it was. Was it sort of a little lollipop? They call it, don't they? Lo- little lollipop, and then he slipped it through the legs of, of Craig Dawson for, for Trossard. Yes. It, it's a brilliant pass, and and then, then the second one, he gets it on the halfway line, doesn't he? Uh, around in, around about the centre circle in a massive amount of space, and just charges at the goal, and then times the pass brilliantly. Yeah, they were excellent, excellent through balls. No one made more passes than Odegaard in the game. So that is a really good sign because we're getting our our chief playmaker onto the ball. And yeah, I thought it was his best game for, for quite some time. And I've got to say, in terms of his goal, I mean, what what a beautiful team goal. The, the, the one-two with Zinchenko with Jesus was just glorious. Well, really that, was that pass? That pass from Jesus, the weight oh. of it back to Zinni running on. That, that it was it was it was footballing art, wasn't it? That that's what it was. Makes it look so simple. Yeah, the we cut back from so Zinni was, was had to be firm, and it bobbled as well. So I just thought the finish from Erdegaard was world class, and he made it look really really easy. And I think he did, didn't he? I don't think there's a better player anywhere actually that finishes off cutbacks better than Erdegaard. He just nails it, doesn't he? Yeah. It's a, honestly, it's a really hard skill. When it comes back like that, that, I don't know what it is, but it's so easy to, to get underneath it and, and put it over. But he he controls those those type of shots better than anyone that I've seen in years. Brilliant. Can I ask you a question, Adrian? And you, Stoney. We were having a discussion in our family about the amount of, of players at Arsenal at the moment that you would call world-class do you include Odegaard in that? We didn't reach a, a, a unanimous no, verdict, so I'm just throwing it I out there. I think he has the potential to be, but I think world-class is if you've got a, I don't know, a squad of 23 for the entire world. Do they get in it? That's how I would quantify it. You know, the best two in their position, really, in, in the world. That that That's... You know, that's a strict guideline, but I think it probably should be. I think Saka gets in. I think Saka is one of the best two in his position um, in the world. Erdegaard 
he's knocking on the door, but I don't know if he is. That That's where I'm at with it. Would you agree about the other ones that were in our uh, conversation, which was Saliba and Rice? Saka, you mentioned, and then there was a bit of a, a bit of a shout from Martinelli. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put Martinelli in it if I'm honest, but I would. No, well, your criteria is quite intense. It's intense, uh, yeah. You know, I think Rice has got a chance. I mean, Rice and Rodri are the two absolute best in the Premier League. In the Premier League. But, in but, the Premier but, League. But, but look around the Champions League. Who's better than them? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I can see one. So I think Rice is, and on current form, Saliba's the best in the Prem. So yeah, he gets in as well, I think. But, but which is weird because he can't get the French team. So. <laughs> I, I I genuinely don't know. Um, I, I, we've got we've got four or five players who are outstanding and have got amazing potential. And whether they've reached their peak yet, um, I, I'm I'm I don't know if they have. Um, I mean, if I had to choose one out of all of them, I'd have Declan Rice <laughs> right now. To be honest with you, but you know, you want to be your best friend, don't you? I, I, do you know? I do actually. I, I know you do. I really you do. Tell. I, I, I know. I really. He just seems like such a nice guy, don't you think? Uh, amongst everything else, I, he, he did a little, he did a little video at the end. Video. Listen to me. He did a little clip at the end, uh, just saying how you know, thanks for the, thanks for the support and another win and on to Luton and I just thought what a good guy he is what a good guy no I absolutely do but I just think he's been immense this year and he was immense again at the weekend as he always is um, can we talk about um, Alexander Sinchenko as you say beautiful for that uh, second goal for Martin Erdegaard's goal we, we often talk about the, the trade-off that we have to make between his attacking threat and his defensive flaws we saw both sides of the game, linked up for the goal, lost the ball to Nelson Semedo and Gabby Martinelli trapped back and recovered the ball. And how great was that, by the way? That's a beautiful moment. That's up there with Gabriel the week, uh, a few days before. Got mixed up with Saliba and forced Raya to make the interception and he lost the ball for the Wolves' goal. Adrian, do you play him? We got, I mean, listen, we've got games coming up and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but the next, I mean, we got Villa. Uh, after Luton, and that is a tough game. Do you play Zinni in the big games? Because because there is, as much as defensively he can be a bit of a liability, the skill that he has, it would help to open up the better teams as well. I mean, I don't know the answers to this. I'm just asking. No, I'm, I'm completely conflicted, and this is why, you know, managers like Mikel Arteta get paid the big bucks. It is, it is really a tough call because... It's, it's like Trent Alexander-Arnold at Liverpool in terms of he offers so much in terms of the quality of his deliveries, his, his set pieces, etc. Yet he's an absolute liability. I worked on the game yesterday, Liverpool-Fulham. He was probably man of the match, but every attack Fulham had was down the left. And he was nowhere. I can't wait to see Martinelli come up against yeah. him when he when he when he's wandered into midfield. Well, yeah, they might change that. Run. They might go. Exactly. With, they might change that and put him into midfield permanently. You know, that's that's an option, and that's the option for Zinni, isn't it? Um, moving forward, I just don't see that happening at the minute, but it is a possibility. I I do think there are massive positives with the calmness he brings, and sometimes you've got to accept it. You've got to accept that that someone who's so calm. That, that you know looks after the ball so well will sometimes get caught. I think, yeah, I think it is just a natural payoff. So, but but then we've also seen us leave him out of big games, 
and go go with two real proper defenders in there and it's worked. So what are you doing then, Adrian? I think for Liverpool away, I think because Liverpool's wide forwards are so good, so um so dangerous that I would probably leave him out of Liverpool yeah. away. But not Villa. I think there is a difference. Even though there. they've got a forward line as well now, Villa, haven't they? they? Have, I mean, but, they but I think we'll we'll go to Villa and control that game. Liverpool will be a little bit more to and fro, and I think I think what we have to do against Liverpool is kill the game, make it make it uh, boring, like we did against Manchester City. Because if you got if you get if you get involved in an end to end game, uh, or yeah. or even hog the ball against Liverpool, I think Liverpool are more scary because they 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 they, they are great in an end to end game, and they are great at counters. I think um, I think we play. Boring football at Anfield. That's, that's, that's my... And boring football. And boring football basically means a more solid defensively. Yeah, like that's what, it, that's what, it, that's what I mean. It's not, maybe not yeah, the best yeah. choice of words, but no, no, I, I think understand. pragmatism comes first there in that fixture. I also think you've got to go for them as Fulham showed yesterday. Mm. You know, they have got vulnerabilities of their own. And, uh, you know, I'm all for, you know, not, not to being too open and giving them tons of time I think it's absolutely imperative that when Arsenal do get opportunities they swarm forward with serious intent and numbers if necessary great point we've got enough attacking players to do that though haven't we it's not like we go oh Zinni's not playing then we're not going to have we've still got plenty of attacking talent without him and and following up on that point I I didn't really explain myself there the point I was making was that we have to play safe in terms of the structure of the team at Liverpool. But when we have it, we do have to go for it. And I, it's one game where I would actually, I would go with the front five, maybe that either the one that started against Lons or the one that started um, this game against Wolves. I think because their, their, their midfield Liverpool, I know it's a way off, but their midfield is, is very attack minded. And I think that we can absolutely get at them but we need to have four proper defenders and Declan Rice in situ it needs to be a five and five type game but we'll talk about that nearer the time we will we will (laughs) and and by the way Tommy uh, uh, another assist you know not unadventurous going forward on occasion is he Tommy so uh, I think he can also he can also do that job but he is definitely defensively more solid um, and of course, you had uh, you were in Timber on the breakdown, didn't you? I mean, this is that's the guy we bought, isn't it? He's like a distillation almost of Tomiyasu and uh, and Zinchenko and their respective qualities. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I can't, can't wait to see him back out there on the pitch. Yeah, no, we were chuffed to get him on the show. You can watch it on Arsenal's YouTube. I think it's twenty seven minutes in. Um, to the replay of the of the pre match show um, on there. So yeah, if you want to watch it, but. Yeah, he, he was good. Very nice guy. Loves it here. You can tell that. Like, he's, he's enjoying London. But the, the main thing that we were really talking about was how, how much he loves being part of this dressing room. How how um, impressed he is with the sort of um, lack of egos. That's what that, that, that was a real interesting point that he made. He said that there's just no one that's a big head. Like everyone's so humble and in it together. And it it does feel like a family. And he also spoke about the connection with the supporters. Obviously, he's only had a, the briefest of experiences of it, but he said it's it really stands out to him that that the club is in a, a really happy place, and that, and that just motivates him to 
to get back into the into the team as quickly as possible. And he seems positive. He said, "Oh, it'll be before the end of the season." That was as, that was as, that was as far as he went, which um, which was encouraging. Amy, isn't it nice to hear as well a player who's in like long term rehab? like Yuri and Timber, still feels very much part of the dressing room and is, is very much including the whole thing. Well, it's kind of extraordinary when you think that he is new to the dressing room. I mean, it, I think imagine it's incredibly hard to create those bonds and feel at home. And, you know, part of that initiation pr- sort of process when you join a new club is what happens on the pitch, what happens on the training ground. And all of that is not available to him or hasn't been since pre-season. Um so that is extremely positive and encouraging to hear that he feels that kind of uh, holistic and emotional uh, side of the game and of settling into a new club in a new country is going so well in what must be the worst possible way to, to try and settle into a new club. So that's great. You know, hopefully when he's, when he's ready, um, he'll just stroll back into the team and you know, show exactly why he was born and that he feels completely ready to be part of whatever we're trying to do this season. And we hope it happens as soon as possible. Uh, this is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. They get a handbrake off and you can see that they are more free to play. Ian Stone, Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark on the Athletics Arsenal podcast Handbrake Off. Jorginho was in the Athletics studio yesterday speaking to Io over on the Athletic Football podcast. He was talking about his move to the Arsenal, what Mikel Arteta's idea of a number six is, the Euros draw and plenty more. The interview will be out tomorrow. That's Tuesday, the 5th of December. You won't want to miss it. You wanted to talk about uh, Leandro Trossard, Adrian. Yeah, because... He came in for Kai Havertz, obviously. It feels like those two might be a little bit rotated at the minute, which is interesting and exciting. But what really impressed me about, about Trossard was his relish for getting the ball in deeper positions. He played more like a central midfielder than a number 10. I don't think anybody won the ball back in an Arsenal shirt more than Trossard in the game which is 10 times, he was sort of really quick to get to those loose balls, to just mop things up, to then start attacks again. Um, so I think he will have given Mikel Arteta a little bit of food for thought there because we know that he's got a goal threat, but but he also showed an appetite for the other side of the game and, and, and winning the ball back. So that that that's really good. And, and, and you can also marry that with the fact that he had five shots. I don't think anyone else had as many efforts. And if you cast your mind back, it wasn't just that one one v one that he had. He ghosted into the box from another Odegaard pass in the first half and almost got on the end of it. I think he's a really intelligent guy that can make those runs untracked and, and maybe hurt teams. So, yeah, I think it was, even though he wasn't man of the match, he wasn't the standout guy, I actually think that Trossard made a bit of a step forward there in showing that 
he can do that role and do it in a slightly different way to other people. There's a bit of versatility, uh, Amy, that we, we perhaps hadn't seen in him. He's just a really good footballer, isn't he? Is, he? Isn't he? Yeah. Intelligent, smart, tactically uh, astute, technically gifted, hardworking footballer. I mean, must be a, a, a treat for a manager to have someone like that in the group. You know, he could probably stick in even more positions and he'd do a job for you. Lovely. Slightly curious debate taking place over the weekend after some people, some Arsenal fans, were seen to celebrate Tottenham's equaliser against Manchester City at the Etihad. Amy, you said you laughed when Spurs equalised. I must yes. say I did as well. I, I, I didn't celebrate, but I wasn't unhappy. I mean, in the end, Tottenham are not our rivals uh, for the title. They're not. We know they're not. City are. And we need them to drop points. And we're not going to be, you know, when when uh, Spurs equalise, we're not jumping out of a chair and uh, and and you know shouting whatever we're shouting about Spurs. But you've got to be pleased that City are dropping points. That's what it's about. Yeah, I think your sense is just now about um, Tottenham are not rivals, and then you added for the Premier League, but they are still rivals. So I think that sums up that it is a complex emotional place to be at. I mean, I think fundamentally. <laughs> Yeah. Most of us just don't want to see them having any fun ever as no. a kind of golden rule. <laughs> I think we have um, to make that clear. That's on the this baseline. <laughs> uh, so therefore, it is very confusing when you're faced with the situation that they are evidently having a lot of fun and they played very well and deserved just about with a bit of fortune with that decision to um, to come away with something. But you know, there was a lot to admire in their performance and. It's hard to admire it from our corner of uh, Red Corner of North London, but I absolutely agree with you. Every single, I felt the same last season, every single point at any juncture against any opponent that City drop has to be appreciated by Arsenal. And I was really interested and I didn't see the interview, so I've only seen the words and I'm not sure about the context, but this... um, this line from Guardiola about, uh, I don't want to do a Mikel Arteta or whatever it was he said in response to the, the, the referee um, it was odd, wasn't it? controversy. It, was odd. it immediately jumped out as a slightly curious thing for him to say about a guy who we imagine to be his mate, who <laughs> he was his assistant for several years. And I just wondered whether that suggested, you know, the the extent of the competition is changing and it means that you know no one can be your mate really no one can be your friend if you're in intense competition and you're a completely obsessed winner and you know nothing can interfere with that i don't know but it did seem slightly he could have, he could have chosen some different words he probably could but they were strange ones to choose Maybe. Yeah, but that is the most sort of high profile blow up from a manager this season, I suppose, in terms of the rant. And he, it, it might have been something that a lot of people would have would have come to the forefront of their mind. I'm not going to do a Mikel Arteta here. I'm going to try not to. Um, I, I, I don't know. We can read a lot into it. I, I would prefer not to, but there might be. There might be something there uh, underneath. I was uh, listening to the game on my way back from covering Liverpool's game and my natural reaction was to make a noise of yes, like that. And and, and yes. that's what I did. Yes. That's what I did. And and then I sort of felt a little bit dirty and wrong, but but 
ultimately, <laughs> I, I think it was the right result for, for us Gooners, wasn't it? I think a, a, a draw. Of course it was. A draw was of perfect. Course it was. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want them winning. We don't want them winning there. Although that might have been a slightly better result, but a draw was about right, wasn't it? And and we, I think we celebrate, we celebrate the uh, the the points lost rather than Tottenham getting a point. As for Guardiola, I think he was trying to be funny. As someone who does humour for a living, sometimes you get heckled and people just get it slightly wrong and you and you can say, oh, there's comedy uh, in the wrong hands there. And it's possible that was comedy in the wrong hands. Possible. I mean, I don't really know because Guardiola's a slightly strange guy. Um, but uh, do you know what? Doesn't matter. If, by the way, it is more evidence that we're getting to them, uh, I'm I'm all for it. I am all for it. I really am. It's too um, early for that. Yeah, it's too early. To be, sorry to be boring, but it probably I do is. feel it's too early for that. It probably is, yeah. I think it's probably his own frustration more than anyone else yeah. getting to. We know, we know City them, yeah. from March onwards will probably get maximum points, you know. We all know that. So let's not get too carried away. Oh, no, no, Has no, anyone no, no. looked at their fixtures from I mean, I haven't. I have no clue. But has, have they got any potential banana skins in that latter stages. No easy games clue. in the Premier League. Uh, three look, yeah, look, three draws in a row. Before that, two wins. And before that, two defeats. So look, they've only won three of their last eight, which is welcome, isn't it? And that, and that that's really the reason why we're, we're we're top of the pile in part, isn't it? So, so yeah, hope that pattern continues. But I'm not sure it will. On Liverpool, by the way, very quickly, they, they are, they remind me a bit of us last season. Um, in terms of chaos, the, yeah, it is chaotic. It's wild. They gave up some big chances against against Fulham. I came away, even though they stole it at the end. Well, they scored four worldies in the game, just four great goals. goals. It was crazy. From a tactical point of view, they're they're still miles off, in my opinion. But talent will get them quite a long way in this season. But ultimately, I, I still think tactically they're not they're not there at that same level yet. Yeah, very, very encouraging. Uh, Luton Town away tomorrow. We haven't won, by the way, in our last 10 visits to Luton. But they were yeah, when was the last one? <laughs> I, I don't, it was a while ago, exactly. I believe. Exactly. Right? It's not yeah. really... Is it a very relevant stat? I don't know. I don't think it's very relevant at all. football. I think Albino did it. pictures and all that. 1984. 1984. Fly me, Our producer has just told us. 1984 <laughs> was the last time. Uh, but, yeah... Uh, do you think they'll be playing on the players' mind? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> haunted. They must be haunted. Haunted by 1984. <laughs> Although Luton, by the way, have still got the same stand that they used to have, that weird, all those boxes on one side. And uh, uh, good luck to the... No, they haven't the, got the boxes uh, now. They had to get have rid they of not those. got the boxes now? They had to get rid oh, of Oh, right, OK. Good luck to the... Uh, 1100 away fans, by the way, who are going have to go up that weird metal staircase at the back over people's gardens uh, to get into the <laughs> yeah, away behave section. yourselves, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I mean, the guys are going to go there with full confidence, and we should have enough. But this is a team that got a draw against Liverpool uh, the other week, Adrian. Mm. I mean, they're not. They've got some pace on the break. They're physical. They're dangerous at set pieces. Although we are very good defensively at the moment, mm. we'd expect to go there and get three points. Yeah, it's one of those games. It's a cliche but you've got to you you got to win your battles that is something that managers always used to say but this is that typical game it, it's one where it's you against the player you're up against and you've got to be as determined if not more determined than them and if Arsenal win seven eight 
of those duels will we'll canter to victory. But if we if we lose out in the, in those duels and and we get knocked out of our stride, which they're capable of of doing, then 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 it could be a challenging evening. So ho- hopefully we'll be on it. I think if we can get a hold of the football and um, and keep it keep it away from their their sort of hostile press in the middle third. We, we should create plenty of chances. And uh, yeah, if, if our shooting boots are on, um, we'll be fine. I was looking at the conversion rate when we were talking about that earlier in the show. And yeah, we've, we've got the fourth best conversion rate in the in the division, very close to, to being top actually. So so yeah, we've, we've not been particularly profligate and hopefully hopefully we'll be clinical in this game as well. Stop man! <laughs> Stop man! <laughs> Quite. Uh, Amy, anything? To, you don't need to add anything after that. that. That'll do it. But Luton away, surely the boys will be confident. Is complacency an issue? It doesn't seem to be with this team at all. We we, we turn up and we do the job, don't we? I don't think so. I mean, if if uh, if you're in timber is to be believed, it's that humility and lack of ego in the dressing room should make sure. And like you said, when Martin Odegaard's coming out and his first thought in his head is, we should be controlling things and imposing things differently to make sure that we're out of sight and don't, you know, fall victim to a, a bit of a late fright. So they seem to have the right ideas in their mind, and I'm, I, I'd be surprised if there was complacency. They know, they know that every game, every game, has significance. And it was interesting. I remember early one in the season when Arsenal dropped points against Fulham at home. And they were really beaten up by that in the dressing room. They were very, very down. Because I think even from that early stage of the season, there was a feeling that every point counts against this Man City team. If you're trying to keep pace and and, and, and overtake what they can do, that it's very rare that even a draw, never mind a defeat, is something that they can sort of accept. So I think they're setting their own high standards in that dressing room and I don't think they'll need for motivation and I'm not fearful of complacency. No, quite. All right, well, fingers crossed. Let's have a song to finish. Amy, what you got? Well, I am going for something a bit different. Uh, I went to the game in my season ticket in the lower tier, the North Bank, and I enjoyed so much being amongst my friends. I think that feeling was emphasised by the fact that we had an old friend who was in our little group of uh, people who go together. Uh, He was one. We went together for about 25 years in the same place. Rob, he moved out of town and he was back for the first time in four years. And all of us were just so nostalgic and happy to be together. And some of the mates who came with us across from... Highbury to the Emirates that we all wanted to stay near each other in the ground. My big mate Lee, who's a character who sits behind us. It, I just felt so much happiness that my football friends are in my life, if you like. So I am going for Robert Owens and I'll Be Your Friend, which is a club classic if you don't know it.
Brilliant. Well, you know I'm very keen on club classics, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not that trancy, then. Uh, it's not that. It's, not, it, it's only a, a, a mere 120 beats a minute as opposed to <laughs> yeah, it's 160. A, it's, it's a slow dance for you. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you like dancing <laughs> in the daytime, Stoney, so get it on in the day. Pick yeah. up the pace, lads. Come on. <laughs> um, uh, only, only, what was it? Only 210 degrees, lads. Not quite warm enough. Uh, for those who listened to the podcast the other day, Adrian, what you got? Well, yeah, I enjoyed, I enjoyed having Yuri and Timber in the box. It was great to chat to him. My children came. It's their first game this season, only their second ever. My wife was there too, in the box, and and not only was he, you know, the perfect guest, really, really polite and, and friendly. Um, he also brought signed picks, you know, actual signed picks um, for everyone in the box. So we've got some of those here at home now. So, yeah, top guy. So it's got to be Pitbull, hasn't it? Timber. It's, it's going, going down. down. I'm yelling timber. timber. You better move. <laughs> you better dance. Let's make a all right, um, I'm going for a, a kit-based song, really. I don't know who told Tottenham that that ridiculous abomination they wore yesterday was a good kit. I can't imagine anyone recommending it. Uh, so I've gone for a song that I've been listening to quite a lot lately called Much Against Everyone's Advice by Soul Wax. That's it for the podcast. We're back after Luton in a couple of days. Uh, thank you to Jay, our producer. Thanks to Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark. Thank you for listening. I'm Ian Stone. Have a good day. This has been Handbreak Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>